Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. You can't fake a great steak. You can enjoy a steakhouse experience a few nights a year or every night with your Auto Wild Grill. Sear in amazing flavor and moisture with 1,500 degrees of grilling perfection. A perfect steakhouse crust every time on your time. Bring your own steak and let Otto take care of the rest. Make your house the great steakhouse in your neighborhood for your family and friends. Dr. Stephen Hussey is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner. He attained both his doctorate of chiropractic and Master's in Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine from the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon. He is the author of two books on health, The Health Evolution, Why Understanding Evolution is the Key to Vibrant Health, and The Heart, Our Most Medically Misunderstood Organ. Dr. Hussey guides clients, or health participants, as he likes to call them, from around the world back to health by using the latest research and health-attaining strategies. In his downtime, he likes to be outdoors, playing sports, reading, writing, and spending time with his wife and their pets. Dr. Stephen Hussey, great to have you back on the show today. How are you doing, sir? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Thank you so much for being here. What do you have for us today? Today, I'm really excited about today because I get to talk about cholesterol, specifically LDL, uh, but cholesterol in general. Um, and so I this is obviously a huge topic in, in heart disease. And so today I want to talk about the benefits of LDL and how um, it's, it's been wrongly demonized and I want to talk about all the good stuff because people talk about all the bad things and, and lots of times people talk about how it doesn't cause heart disease, but we don't, it, it's very often not talked about all the benefits that cholesterol plays in our body because, you know, evolution works, um, in, in a way that if something was not beneficial, it would not have been preserved evolutionarily. So the fact that this molecule is there um, means that it does have benefits. And, you know, we'll even talk about, you know, uh, benefits of, of it being higher. But I want to start off by saying that kind of a personal story that, you know, I was on a ketogenic diet for a long time um, before I went on a carnivore diet. And it wasn't until I went on the carnivore. I mean, my my 
my cholesterol as far as LDL, that number, that that um, lipoprotein, um, was always, you know, on the, the higher range, um, but not like super high. And it wasn't until I went on a carnivore diet that I became that it went really high. Um, and I'm what, you know, Dave Feldman would call a lean mass hyper responder, um, meaning that when my body um, uh, really went into ketosis and I, and I really got deep into ketosis, um, that the process of me making more cholesterol or making more ketones uh, for energy um, also resulted in me uh, making a lot of cholesterol. My cholesterol went really high. And one of the, one of the things that I noticed from when I went carnivore was that, um, my, since I'm type one diabetic, I seemed to respond to the insulin. I needed to use less insulin, um, cause I was responding to it better. And at first I thought, oh, maybe there was some plant toxin that I was eating that, um, was interfering with the insulin receptor or something like that. Um, and that's that was the reason. But I later found out that um, LDL, um, you know, which carries our cholesterol to different areas of the body, um, the cholesterol is very important for the insulin receptor, the health of the insulin receptor. And so when all of a sudden my LDL shot up and there was all this cholesterol being carried around by these lipoproteins that were being delivered to the cells, it made sense that now um, I had enough cholesterol available to make my insulin receptors healthier um, than they were. And so that's why I think I saw this. And so, um, you know, digging into the benefits of cholesterol and why having higher LDL cholesterol would be good for us, let's go through these benefits. So one is um, immunity. So cholesterol can actually bind, or LDL, that particle can actually bind uh, pathogens in our body. Um, and if people have listened to the, the dental health, um, uh, episode that we did, uh, the dental and heart health episode we did, it's really good at binding endotoxic bacteria that we talked a lot about in that, um, that episode. Uh, it's also essential for cellular repair. Um, it obviously plays LDL obviously plays a role in cholesterol transport. So all these benefits we're talking about of cholesterol, if LDL is not there to transport, we're not going to get those benefits. Um, it also plays a role in um, the surveillance of cancer. So when, when cells turn cancerous, which happens a lot, um, the, the um, LDL is there um, to, to monitor that and then kill those cells. Um, it, it decreases inflammation. Um, it, it plays a role in the health of cell receptors, which we talked about with the insulin receptor. Um, cholesterol is the, the backbone molecule for all of our hormones, um, not just our reproductive hormones, but all of our hormones. Um, cholesterol is what, uh, makes vitamin D, which is technically a hormone. Um, and then, um, it, uh, LDL is what carries all of our fat soluble vitamins. So if we don't have LDL around, we're not transporting, uh, A, D, E, and K, which are incredibly important for our health. Um, a, uh, LDL is delivering energy to our bodies. Um, it plays a vital role in muscle function. Um, in neurotransmitter signaling, and it actually prevents vascular calcification, which is completely opposite of what most people would tell you. So um, it does this by activating activation of the GLA uh, matrix protein, um, which plays a role in the um, 
um, conversion of vitamin K1 to vitamin K2. And vitamin K2 is what's responsible for um, taking minerals and depositing them where they need to be, not in the arteries, but in the bones and the teeth and things like that. And so all these things that I just talked about are are um, are the uh, the roles of cholesterol in the body. And if we don't have LDL carrying that cholesterol around, we don't get these benefits. Uh, and so I want to take it a step further and talk about uh, statins a little bit. So, you know, the the making of cholesterol in our body, like if we didn't if we didn't eat any cholesterol, our body would make about 1.5 grams of cholesterol. Our liver would make about 1.5 grams of cholesterol per day. That's how important it is. Um, but the process of making cholesterol um, from from uh, the fats that we eat um, is a very long process, and there's lots of different steps in that process. Um, and it's not like it just goes from one thing to the next. Sometimes these intermediates that are made in the process of making cholesterol are taken and used for other things. Um, so there's one of these intermediates called isopentyl PP um, that is um, uh, key for making um, the selenamides, which are the the um, the glutathione and superoxide dismutases, the antioxidant system that we have. If we don't have cholesterol, we don't make our endogenous antioxidants, which are super important. Um, it's also, this isopentyl PP is also important for um, um, ATP production because it's um, a precursor to CoQ10. And so CoQ10, especially in the heart, it's what drives the production of ATP. If we don't have that, um, we're going to get very fatigued because we're not making CoQ10 and we're not making ATP. Um, like I talked about, it's very this isopentyl PP is very important for the conversion of K1 to K2, which is going to um, prevent atherosclerosis, um, and then uh, also for the receptors, health of the receptors on the cell. So we're talking about, for me personally, insulin receptors. Um, but very early on in the process of taking the fatty acid and making cholesterol, there's this conversion step from um, uh, uh, HMG-CoA to mevalonate. And that is the pathway that's blocked when you take a statin. And so because that's very early on in the pathway, all of these other intermediates that are important for all the things I just talked about don't get made. Uh, or they get made way less because you're taking that statin. You're blocking that, that pathway from happening. And so that's how statins work, is they block the very making of cholesterol. Um, and so um, we wouldn't want to take statins. And that's why when people take statins, they often get fatigue, because we talked about the CoQ10. They often get uh, muscle pain because it interferes with, or because cholesterol is essential for muscle function. Um, they oftentimes get, they get sick more often because, like I said, cholesterol is... Um, very important uh, in, in your immune system and binding with those uh, bacteria. Um, and there's been even there's even been studies that show that um, statins uh, increase the risk of diabetes because we talked about the insulin receptor. And if that's being shut down because there's not enough cholesterol, we can get diabetes. And also they've been shown to cause atherosclerosis. They've been linked to causing atherosclerosis because, again, we're not getting that vitamin K2, that conversion. So we're actually inducing atherosclerosis that way. So that's one of the cholesterol medications. The other one I'll touch on really briefly is a newer one called a PCSK9 inhibitor. And so PCSK9 is this, um, this molecule that goes in and it blocks uh, cholesterol receptors. 
Um, that's what it does. And so that would leave more cholesterol in the blood uh, instead of being in the receptor into the cell. Um, however, a PCSK9 inhibitor inhibits PCSK9. So now all the receptors are open and it can take all that cholesterol and put it into the cell, which I don't know is the best thing for the cell. Yes, some cells need cholesterol, but if you hoard it all into the cell, that's probably not a good idea either. But also now it's not, um, well, I should say these are LDL receptors, not cholesterol receptors, because LDL is what's transporting the cholesterol. Um, but PCSK9 um, inhibits, um, or the inhibitors um, now leave all the LDL receptors open and they can all be hoarded into the cell. And now there's no LDL with all the cholesterol in it um, being transported around the body. And therefore, we don't get all these benefits I was talking about of the making of hormones, the vitamin D, and the um, the, and the uh, immune system defense and the carrying of fat soluble vitamins. You don't get all that stuff because um, it's being blocked or, or it's being hoarded into the cell. And so there are two different cholesterol lowering medications working in different ways, um, but they both have this effect of, of either um, or decreasing cholesterol in our body, which is a bad thing. And so now the last thing I'll talk about is because some people would say, okay, well, yeah, cholesterol does all this good stuff. But that's if we have normal cholesterol levels. It'll still do that. What if it, if we have high cholesterol? That's a problem. That's when it becomes a problem. And so let's look at let's look at people. Well, first let's look at people who have no cholesterol. So there's these people who have a beta lipoproteinemia, which is basically um, low cholesterol, low LDL. And these people, uh, when we study them, have higher rates of infection. Uh, they have blindness. They tend to have blindness because fat-soluble vitamin A is not being uh, taken to the eye. Um, they often have liver cancer, um, and they tend to die in the third and fourth generation. So not a good outcome for these people who have very, very low um, LDL and low cholesterol. And then let's look at the converse of that, and let's look at people who have familial hypocholesterolemia. And there was a study that um, I discovered through the work of David Diamond. And um, it's, it's, it tracked this family of people or these, these families of people um, through um, two centuries, uh, traced their genetic line and, and studied these people with familial hypercholesterolemia, these people with very high cholesterol. And it found that the first thing it found is that they had no... Um, uh, uh, decreased mortality or or um, uh, decreased longevity than people who had normal quote unquote normal cholesterol. So that was not a disadvantage for them. But they tended to they found that they had an advantage that more of these people um, survived uh, times of um, infection when infection was spreading um, or, or infection was running rampant or, or people had problems with infection during this time. They tended to have a protective effect. They um, people in these groups didn't die as often as uh, people who didn't have familial hypercholesterolemia. So it it's almost like that this this um, genetic predisposition um, was giving them an advantage, an evolutionary advantage uh, in times of uh, uh, infection. So so we can't really say that high cholesterol is bad for us either, and that it's only bad when it's high. Um, and that the cholesterol only does these things when it's good. And then, like I said, when mine went really high, that's when I saw more insulin sensitivity, which was very inter interesting to me. And so I would argue that um, high cholesterol, given that we have low levels of triglycerides and high HDL and then low markers of inflammation, that high cholesterol is a very good thing.
Yes, and it's so important to really look at cholesterol in terms of the context uh, with the diet, uh, whether it's glycated, the size and shape of the LDL, and what is going on with the whole patient. Uh, because high cholesterol within context is not necessarily a bad thing. It can actually be a good thing in some cases. Yeah, exactly. And and it is very important to look at it in the context. You can't just take this one number LDL and say, oh, you have increased risk for heart disease. We have to look at the whole blood panel and sometimes things that, I mean, not just the lipid panel. I mean, it's very important to look at, you want high HDL and low triglycerides as well. But then we also need to look at, you know, markers of, of um, oxidative stress like lipid peroxides or or 8-hydroxy-2-deoxyguanosine or things like that, or GGT in the liver, like looking at those things, those markers of oxidative stress, because that's going to tell us whether your cholesterol is damaged um, and whether it's becoming problematic, because it's not that it's not that damaged cholesterol is going to deposit itself into the artery, but it, that's just a marker that there's damage in general to the body, and that's what's driving um, the uh, deposition of cholesterol or um, cholesterol and minerals into the lining of the artery. Not necessarily that the cholesterol is there itself, but that, that the, the fact that the cholesterol is damaged means that other things are damaged as well. And so that's the markers we need to be looking for. Like uh, lipoprotein little a or LP little a um, is, is, has been associated with you know, higher amounts of um, atherosclerosis. And, but the only time that LP little a, this, this little protein, is put onto a LDL molecule uh, is when it's damaged. So we can kind of use that number LP little a to track with damaged cholesterol um, or SD LDL or small dense LDL. Um, they can kind of they kind of track together. Um, so we can use those as an indicator of that. Um, but yeah, we really have to look at everything in the context. We can't just look at one number. And for patients that have uh, metabolic damage uh, to cholesterol and damage to other structures, is that reversible if at all possible? And what strategies can people take to reverse that? You know, I actually don't know if once a cholesterol molecule is damaged, if that can reverse. But yes, the whole process of, of reversing the damage caused by metabolic syndrome, um, I think is completely reversible. Um, and I mean, we've, we've, we've seen it uh, documented in actually, uh, unfortunately, a vegan study, um, the one that, you know, um, all those guys uh, tend to talk about they, you know, they talk about how they changed this person's diet to a vegan diet, and they found they saw atherosclerosis go away, but they failed to note that the people also stopped smoking and started exercising and did all these other healthy things and stopped eating a standard American diet and ate a whole foods diet. Um, but to me, you know, I I just talked a lot about how um, this conversion of K1 to K2 and how that's cholesterol dependent is very, very important to prevent um, calcification. And that's how we reverse it too. If we start healing the body and, and, and lowering this inflammation and all these things that cause damage to it, the body can start to repair itself. Um, and uh, and um, and then if we have enough K2, it can start taking those minerals that were deposited and putting them where they need to be, which is in the bone. Um, and so uh, we, I was actually at... Um, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I was actually at Low Carb Houston, and there was a. I mean, Nadir Ali is really open-minded, and he brought people there who, who you know, um, weren't as in the know as with low carb, and actually had different opinions. 
Um, he bought a rep for PCS canine inhibitors just to give people, you know, the other side of things. And uh, one of the one of the speakers there said that um, you couldn't reverse calcification. And and later, um, uh, Peter Ballerstead kind of made it um, popular at the conferences to call out things that were male bovine fecal matter. Um, and so people were saying that a lot at the conference. They're like, oh, that's that's male bo bovine fecal matter. Um, <laughs> and so um, that's what Nadir was saying about the, the ability of your body to reverse the calcification. Um, because, you know, if we have enough of the right things and LDL and cholesterol um, are one of those things, uh, carrying those fat soluble items around, then yes, uh, we can definitely reverse it. And a low carb or carnivore diet um, tends to do the right things as far as inflammation goes as well. We lower the inflammation, we heal the gut, um, we, um, we, we stop oxidative stress, uh, we stop leaky gut, like all these things that are good for stopping the damage happen as well. And then they also raise your cholesterol, which is good. Doc, I wanted to ask you real quick, uh, like with so many things, we find things working a little bit different for those that are on a carnivore diet where the standard numbers and, and things just aren't really applying as much. Like when we are using fat for fuel very effectively, the body is going to shuttle energy around through some of these lipoproteins. So I wondered if you can talk to that a little bit and how it's, it's a little bit different when you're on a carnivore diet. Yeah. So there's a, there's a few different theories here, but it, when you're on a carnivore or even some people on ketogenic diets, yeah, we do see these this increase of of um, LDL, and so the LDL is is carrying our energy around, cholesterol and energy. It's carrying these things that aren't soluble in the blood around. That's what it it's 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 needed. It's like these little boats that are carrying these things around, and so if we switch over to burning these fatty acids, a few things happen. One, you know, one theory is that we need this, we need this energy more available. And so LDL goes up because we need more energy to be available and delivered to the cells. And that's probably part of it. Um, but the other part of it is that in the liver, when your liver is taking a fatty acid and, um, making, uh, and burning that fatty acid, um, Part of it is is turned into a ketone, which we can burn for fuel. And so the process of, you know, when you're restricting carbohydrates, your body is forced to take these fatty acids and make ketones out of them. And so, but the same process that makes ketones is also the process that makes cholesterol. Um, and so we just end up by default with more cholesterol in the blood because we're trying to make ketones. Now, the other aspect of that is that, so that'll happen if you're, if you start eating a, a low carb, high fat diet, it'll also happen when you're fasting, when you start fasting, um, because your body will go into ketosis that way. Um, so sometimes we see, um, elevations in, in LDL with that. But the other thing is, is that whenever you start making more cholesterol, uh, the liver will turn off its, its cholesterol receptors leaving more cholesterol in the blood. So that can also create this increase in LDL. And so the numbers that, you know, your cardiologist may want to see may not be, may not be what he sees on, on your blood panel because of this diet that you're on. And so what we have to look for, like we've said, is that if LDL is high or LDL is normal, whatever LDL is, 
you want your HDL to be high, uh, normal to high. Uh, you want your triglycerides to be low. And you also want to see low markers of inflammation, like C-reactive protein, um, like, um, um, like the markers of oxidative stress, like we talked about, the lipid peroxide, the isoprostanes, um, the GGT, uh, those types of things. We want to see all those things normal. So it really takes more than just looking at your lipid panel, um, regardless of how it looks, to see whether or not that lipid panel is 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 putting you at risk for anything. Yes, and that's why, again, we just want to drive this point home for our listeners. It's all context. It's all looking at these numbers within context and being able to interpret them appropriately with the current science. So thank you so much for being here today and stay tuned for our next episode with Dr. Hussey. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.